It's my birthday and I'll try if I want to. Fuck Pedro Pascal. <laughs> In this game of life that we call succession, I'm always team me. You guys, it's Andy's girls. It's my birthday. Happy birthday, Sarah. Can you believe this doesn't happen to anyone? And so I'm so excited that God chose me. It's so exciting, Dylan. Aren't you so excited? I am so excited. I'm in the clawfish. Yes. And you know what? Last time that I was sitting, that my butt was in this seat, we found out about Scandaval together. Oh, we have, <laughs> we have endured, experienced, talked through, and processed world history together. And okay, can I can I have a hot take on Scandaval? Yeah. Can I introduce you first? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'd like to share my hot take. No, yes, please go ahead. Okay, cool. Um, You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's a very special episode because it's a birthday episode, and that's how we um, qualify special eps here in the cloth. You know my guest is Senior Content Manager Entertainment at Betches Media, host of the podcast, Mention It All, which, guess what, guys, I'll be on this week, and creator of Bravo by Betches, someone that I will be turtle timing with immediately following the recording of this episode. Welcome back someone known to some of us as Sweet Baby Dill, my Bravo BFF, Dylan Hafer. Welcome back. Happy birthday to me. Welcome back, Dylan Hafer. Happy birthday to me again. Thank thank you and happy birthday to you. Oh my God, how did you know? I felt it in the air. Wow. But yes, as you said, we will be turtle timing after um, you, you... pondered whether or not we should have uh something to sip on while we recorded and yeah considering that sarah gets um a a little tipsy when (laughs) when a a bottle of champagne sneezes in her direction (laughs) so so because of that we will be fully coherent on the podcast and then you know and then a little fucked up Dil, I, I was going to say, Dylan, Damien and I used to record AG and get a, like genuinely a little tipsy girl. Well, I think the first time I ever was on your podcast, this podcast, the one that we're <laughs> speaking into right now, I'm <laughs> we're like, doing great. We're doing there great, was a podcast. It was like pre-COVID and we were sitting on your couch and I think we, I want to say we drank wine. I'm not positive though. Oh my God. I love it. I love that for us. I love that journey for us. It was like you probably afternoon. brought it. This is the thing I've never... You know what I was thinking about today? So I pulled this out of my ass. It's a Succession-themed birthday event because we're recording this on Sunday. Succession premiere tonight. So we're having a couple people over, some friends of the pod and others. Um, And I've never had like... Oh, no, wait. There was one... I've lived in this apartment for over a decade. There have been a few occasions where I'll have people over. Like one day I decided to make a pie. So I made that into like a 20-person Prosecco and pie party. But I've never had... Like, I, I still haven't had a housewarming. I've lived here for 12 years. It will happen one day. But this is, you know, this is kind of like a deal to me to have, like, people over in my, like, finally beautiful, meaningful apartment thanks to Tori Healy Lisi at Studio Piccolo. Like, this is kind of a big deal. I'm excited. Yeah, I don't have the gene where it's just like, oh, yeah, like, a few people are coming over. No, on I'm pa- not yeah, that person. It's not, that's nope. not my go-to. Mm-mm. Um. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. I just Google image pictures of a vegetable charcuterie board and I am panicked because I did not 
do anything. And yeah. then I realized about two hours ago that like people might want, I don't know, Prosecco and other stuff. And so I got that. I got some veggies. I'm going to like, you're going to help me make it look pretty. I'm surprised you didn't like succession it and call in like fly in caviar like straight from the Caspian Sea or something like you know what patreon.com slash Andy's girls like it could happen by the end of the night no refreshments are arriving via helicopter and that is that's a (laughs) letdown you know what I was thinking maybe I should just take out a knife and put a little note on it that says Chivroy and then it's themed yeah I'll put that on the knife that goes with the hummus. This is ex- titillating conversation <laughs> for the AGs. Okay. Um. So so now can I have a Scandival take? Please. And guys, just <clears throat> I think people are aware of this, but essentially the last time you were on, which was a couple weeks ago, we recorded AG Classic. The news broke as we were recording. You picked up your phone. You told me. And we processed this literally immediately on a Patreon episode that people can go to at the AG Patreon. It is a wild fucking ride. I would be, I would not want to, like, a, me personally, having been through that experience, mm. it would stress me out to listen to now because I'm like, we knew so little. And it was wild to hear because I think that our takes really hold water, noting that I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I I assumed, because there was mm-hmm. truly no information, that it was like, you know, someone stupped. I didn't think it was like a drawn out affair, yeah. which was a big fucking shock. Yeah, it's it, it it's interesting, the, the flow of information we've had over the last few weeks. And this is sort of the source of my feeling now that I am... Is this your take, by the way? Is this yeah, your official take? Okay. Yeah, I think in terms of Scandival updates for mm. now... You know, barring something, a seismic development from happening within this friend group, I'm kind of good for now. Like, I... Really? Okay. But the thing is, when I say that, it's like I am watching this season of Vanderpump Rules like a hawk. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm enjoying it immensely. Mm-hmm. I There are certain moments in each episode that we've had since Scandaval where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, that was something. That was something. Note that for the record. Foreshadow, foreshadow. But what I mean is that I, we are now getting like near daily updates from TMZ, Page Six, ET, you know, like any, Mm -hmm. any outlet that's in the business of covering this at all is like, sources are saying that (laughs) Tom and Raquel were ripped apart at the reunion. Sources are saying that Tom and Raquel broke bread after the reunion. Ariana and friends seen at a bar booing a TV that maybe Raquel was on. (laughs) I am... Over, I, I I'm running low on energy for these kind of like miscellaneous bits of okay whatever. Like if there is actual news happening, you know, like finding out that Kristen was filming again, that's thrilling. Mm-hmm. Finding out, you know, the reunion situation, you know, mm-hmm. with the restraining order and having to do two separate sit downs, and then maybe there was a third part where it was just Andy and Tom and Ariana and maybe Raquel seeing the seating chart, like those types of things. It's not like I don't want to think about this anymore. It's just like, I don't need sources. Sheena walking, working out in a gym and us talking about it. Right. And I think right now, obviously, I understand how this economy works, that everybody who's in the orbit of these people is probably, you know, being called and texted and, you know, airmailed from these outlets being like... as, As a friend of... As a close source to one of these people, do you have any... Do you have any info? I mean, it's a lucrative 
gig being like somebody who Tom Sandoval kind of knows right now because anybody Mm -hmm. will listen to you. But like I I, those things actually don't really interest me. And how much of that do you think is coming from the place of you as just a Bravo viewer person and you as a content creator noting that it would be essentially impossible for you to separate the two because you're both. Yeah. Well, I think in terms of content, it's been, you know, it's been a little bit of a trial and error type of thing these last few weeks, but in a like for the most part, like I said, barring something seismic, it's a little bit of diminishing returns that it's Mm. like if I post every single little scrap of information that's printed anywhere like at a certain point it's like nobody really cares that's not Mm -hmm. like it's not that exciting anymore that like Demois is posting that oh yeah people yelled at Raquel at the reunion it's like first of all duh second of all I want to watch the reunion in however many weeks from now and like experience it and I don't necessarily want to read in TMZ like a rundown of how a certain segment of the reunion went and then be like anticipating that like I still want to watch the show this season as like as much of a pure viewing experience as possible but the the thing that's interesting to me about that is that I don't think we've gotten any crazy reveals so I would think like hearing uh, you know um Ariana was upset yeah you know Raquel was yelled at Tom doesn't know what to do like that's not to me changing the game versus what we hear when someone goes on girls trip what we hear during filming for Beverly Hills this because seemingly the cast really really is on lockdown aside from like you know produced paparazzi shots done by backgrid repurposed by the Daily Mail or TMZ like there really isn't a lot of here's what's to come yeah there was one I think there specifically on TMZ there was one thing or maybe Demois I can't I I wish I had it in front of me Hmm. but it was like it was like oh it was Demois because the name was like eyes on the inside and the thing was like you know Andy at one point had to stop somebody from getting in a physical like whatever it's just like oh right because allegedly just to fill in the AGs can you tell them about this little scoop um I think it was maybe like Lala was they said on the verge of getting physical. Like, so they said an unnamed cast member, but like, LOL, the the person will be surprising to you. So I don't know if that removes Lala from the yeah. um, options, but that there was almost a physical altercation. So it was just very, 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 very heated yeah, during so the reunion I think, taping. I think what I mean to say is that it's like, I still am very fascinated and, mm. you know, invested in this, but I, I think we've, we've reached a point in the news coverage of it where I would rather just kind of retreat back to watching it play out on the TV show. Well, that's such an interesting perspective and I can totally appreciate it. And I feel like for me, it's not even the exhaustion about the constant updates, which I know is a part of it. I just kind of like can't get enough of thinking about it. Because I remember we were here in the cloth just a couple of weeks ago, and you said out loud, Tom and Ariana broke up because of some sort of, maybe the word was affair, but I assumed it was like a one night stand. Yeah. Because of an affair, let's say, between Tom and Raquel. And I couldn't understand what you were saying as the words came out, because I was like, Raquel? <laughs> Tom? Like, Tom? Ariana's top like and I right. st- 
I honestly, weeks later, I've talked about this for hours and hours on end. I've done hours and hours of Patreon episodes. I still, I'm dead serious. I can't stop talking about it because it's like, I can't believe it. I, I was in such, you saw me, I was in like, I didn't understand. I had to like have you keep repeating. Yeah. Like the basic like, headline. You were like, no, 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 Schwartz. And I was like, no, 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 Sandoval. <laughs> because it's so shocking to me. So understanding there is a a, a little bit of like a uh, about like constantly producing, um, you know, like the Instagram posts of it all that I totally appreciate um, and, and agree with a lot of it. But like overall. Yeah. It's just so wild to me. And then watching these episodes, I feel like typically when we find out something, it's after we've watched a season, definitely after, I mean, it's usually at some point later. So to like have both the cast find this out and us find this out as episode, as we're early into the season, it's just so wild. Well, I think that's part of what made those background photos that you mentioned from reunion day of Tom and Raquel mm. wearing all black. Tom's smoking a cigarette with his white nails. Raquel's ri- <laughs> Raquel is ripping a vape. And they're like, you know, looking down at their shoes, standing next to each other. And it's like, oh, it's it's like the... It's like they're doing the thing that we that we heard they were doing, but we couldn't quite believe it. And now they're now that's them. And they're just they're just they're doing it. (laughs) And it's like, oh, 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 right, right, right. This is this is real. This is happening. They're together. It's it's (laughs) it's yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's it's pretty wild. I mean, I'm watching these episodes. I watched the newest episode. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, this is a podcast about psychology. It's really fucking tough for me to figure out how I feel about this behavior without knowing when they started fucking. Mm -hmm. It's hard for like many things can be true at once. So like we can talk about girls trip and we can talk about I mean, this is really a conversation about talking about this stuff, which I'm kind of super into. But like we can talk about how we feel about certain cast members behavior over girl trip and that could be true now versus in a week if we find out something else including like the date when the affair started but it's just so hard for me to understand Raquel and Sandoval without knowing when the affair started or when the flirting became sexual romantic whatever and the thing that I was thinking about yesterday, because I literally am now thinking about this 24-7, the thing that I was thinking about yesterday is like, so they're going to fucking avoid or come together and strategize a date of when this went down that they will agree with for the reunion, I assume. Right. I don't think we're ever going to find out. How are we no, supposed to I mean, figure, right. how are we supposed to unpack? Because well, I feel like we, we, we should know, but I don't think we're ever going to know the truth. Right. We will come to a truth that is presented to us Correct. as the truth. And we agree or disagree. And we can, you know, think of that whatever we yeah. will. But yeah, I mean, there are certain things in life where it's just like, you know, you're always going to be like, well, I, that is the explanation that we were presented with. And we feel about it how we feel. And life goes on. Yeah, I just think that like often we're talking about situational circumstances 
you know, of like what happened. Uh, we saw it a lot on Girls Trip, which we yeah. both watched the first three episodes. And obviously the eye stuff comes up. And um, I'm thinking about, you know, all of what we watched. Girls Trip, VPR, yeah. uh, whatever else was on television that I also watched. The Miami reunion, New Jersey. A whole lot of fucking shit. Um, but I just think like obviously there are situations that are discussed that we'll never really know the truth about yeah but then i'm watching vpr and it's like not that same energy i'm just looking at these people i genuinely feel such disbelief i know everyone's looking for easter eggs but i'm just like when did it begin well it's uh, yeah i mean this is i guess maybe not the most relatable like way into it but it's weird to me sometimes people that i've like met and interviewed and talked to and you know Tom Sandoval I've interviewed multiple times I've always thought he was like a really nice guy when I've been around him like just stuff like that where it's like obviously like I don't think that me spending you know a cumulative couple of hours with Tom Sandoval is equivalent to like knowing him deeply as a person and how he behaves in his everyday life but like it does kind of throw you for a loop in that way too that it's like oh wow like if you had asked me one month ago Mm -hmm. I would have said all of these things about this person that now just seems so naive and it's it's a weird thing to have to sit with that and be like oh yeah I was maybe gonna have Raquel on my podcast the week the day that she and Sheena were on Watch What Happens Live together, and I would have had a very different energy for Raquel than I would now if I were to encounter her in any in any forum. Yeah, and what's <clears throat> fascinating to me is like when you think of the contact that we've had with Bravo Lebs, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but like overall it's been really positive because mm-hmm. these people also understand from like a media, you know, any kind of like you're presenting yourself to any kind of audience that typically they're friendly and gregarious. It's not like we're working on production for watch what happens where they're dealing with a lot more and there's, you know, you get to see more glimpses of how this person treats other people or whatever else. Like usually I feel like the people that I'm coming in contact with at Bravo events or whatever else are, are very friendly, very nice, whatever. And I just kind of wonder for the non Sandoval and Raquel members of the cast Mm -hmm. who know these people you know like where the mask is down you're filming with them right they're you're friends with them off camera like that's the whole seeming purpose of VPR which has shitty seasons when they just flat out cast people with no actual relationship when you have these relationships and these stakes it's so important and like you might know that someone's a dick you know, when they're not putting on their smiley face, but maybe you find a connection to them anyway, or maybe you don't. But like to feel like you were misled at this level, understanding the relationships that a lot of these people have with each other, the, you know, um, grudging, begrudging. What am I trying to say? Grudging. What's the word? Begrudgingly. Begrudgingly, like a kind of begrudging ups, uh, respect for each other, even if you don't like yeah. fuck with this person. You certainly, I think there is an awareness or an appreciation for each other to find this out. I just can't imagine what that process is like. Well, and also I think with with something that I've encountered sometimes talking to people is like there's a difference between liking someone and, and, and being a fan of them in your own life and 
understanding that they are helpful to the show that you are on Mm -hmm. and helping you accomplish a collaborative goal of creating a, a good television product. Totally. And so I think in a group like Vanderpump Rules, I imagine that over the years there's been a fair amount of like, okay, yeah, like Stassi and Katie and Kristen might not really like Sheena, but mm-hmm. there is likely still some understanding that like everybody here is a valuable tool. And I, it specifically comes to mind as uh, New Jersey and Jennifer Aiden. And I think uh, a few of the women in this cast would gladly not spend any time with Jennifer Aiden that they're not getting paid for. But I think there is a shared understanding that somebody like her is really valuable to the show. Do you think there is that shared understanding? Mm-hmm. And would there ever be a world, let's say, talking about New Jersey specific to... Teresa and Melissa, where they would appreciate each other's. Do you think that's happened or honestly happened? I uh, I think honest is a is the tricky Keyword. word there yeah. because I think of course I mean Melissa has gotten asked many times about Teresa's role on the show, and Melissa knows that it is not in her best interest to get on a podcast and be <laughs> right. like, "Well, actually, Teresa is like not a very good Real Housewife," mm-hmm. like. She knows that there's no nothing to be gained by that, so right. she's not going to say it. And she do, that's that's not the tone that she takes when talking about Teresa's housewife contribution. Yeah, but I mean, I think honesty is a different question because if if you really hate someone's guts and would rather never be in a room with them again, then like, are you believing the nice things you say? I, I, mm-hmm. I guess maybe believing it and meaning it are two different things, also. How do you feel with the new housewives on New Jersey with Danielle and Rachel um, that they have fit in? Like, do you think it has been if you were Danielle or Rachel, do you think that they have chosen the little groups that they're kind of getting closer to organically? Or where do you see production's role in being like, Danielle, just a heads up, you um, maybe don't want to fuck with this person. And Rachel, just a heads up, I think you like really have a strong connection to so-and-so. Like, where do you feel the production thread of this or do you not feel it at all? Um, That's an interesting question. I have a feeling that it's a little bit of both, but also maybe a little less cut and dry than that. Because mm-hmm. I think that in terms of New Jersey these last few seasons and this is I mean this is no great mystery the women on the cast are very aware of this I'm sure production and casting and Bravo is very aware of this it is a real team mentality you know there are two it's pretty split down the middle there's a lot of you know tension and history between the two sides and unfortunately we haven't really been able to find a way past that yet and so I think, you know, looking at casting for this season, knowing that the last couple of years, New Jersey has not successfully brought new people onto the show. Mm. And they've really kind of just done like one one person at a time and throw, tried to throw them into the pool. And, you know, quite honestly, they've drowned. I think this season, casting, it seems like, was very deliberate that they were going to bring on not only more than one person, but at least one person kind of for each side of the seesaw, if you will. And that, you know, they cast Rachel, who knew Melissa, their sons are good friends, but like, I don't think Rachel and Melissa were, you know, besties, but I think there was kind of an existing connection there. And I think the same is true of Danielle, that it's like, 
was she, you know, spending a lot of time talking to Teresa? Were they texting? Right. I don't, I doubt it. <laughs> Look, I mean, <laughs> who knows? I, I don't know. But I, there was a, some level of connection there, you know, some amount of connective fiber that it made sense for her to be like, well, yeah, Teresa's the one in the show that I, that I know a little. And so I think, you know, casting was smart this year that they kind of, in the absence of a clear way to kind of move past the team mentality, mm-hmm. they decided to kind of further that and cast on both sides of it. And I think this season it's working pretty well. I think both Danielle and Rachel seem like they are clicking well with their respective sides of the cast. I think the dynamic between the two of them is interesting and sort of how we see them both navigating this process together. And, you know, Danielle is getting information from Jennifer and Teresa and she's, you know, figuring out how to proceed with that. Rachel is hearing things from Teresa and Jen and Danielle and kind of being like, well, I don't know. Cause I, you know, I've been hearing this thing from Melissa and this thing from Margaret and seeing both of them kind of, make their way through this swamp is pretty entertaining to me, pretty interesting to me, actually. I I don't know. I'm not, like, obsessed with either of them particularly, but also I don't really get obsessed with housewives mm. that much. But I do think both of them are succeeding, in for the most part, on the show. What do you think is more important to a new housewife, and let's keep it going in New Jersey, specific to NJ? trust like developing trust with members of your cast in your own little cohort or ensuring that you are bringing value to production um i think that the trust piece is important in the sense that this cast does have some real bonds within it and some mm. bonds that are you know real friendships on a level but also real strategic partnerships in the in the world of the show and so i think in terms of your value in the cast somebody like margaret needs to see that somebody like rachel has a certain level of value to her and is going to kind of have a certain level of loyalty and is going to kind of you know toe the party line and you know, whatever. I don't think it's like, you know, like a mob mentality, but I do think that matters. And I think production, you know, the more that Margaret trusts Rachel, the more she's going to kind of loop her in to do her bidding. And I mean, likewise, on the other side with Danielle, I think we're seeing that, you know, play out. And there's this kind of long winding game of telephone that's happened about whether Margaret has an arsenal of things to say. Like, <laughs> And what is an and, arsenal? And I think it's it's important that when you look at sort of that um, paper trail of this narrative about Margaret, both Rachel and Danielle have played a role in that. And I think that is kind of a good, you know, I think that's an important uh, checkbox on their resume for this season that it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We participated in this kind of larger, you know, well, I heard they were what they were talking about Margaret. And then this person told me this, like that sort of carrying the torch of messiness is important. I think both of them have done that. I I, I don't know. I think it's, I think production and the cast uh, in an ideal sense should kind of have the same goals. And with the Marge of it all, Thinking about what kind of set off the round with Marge v. Tree, what was your reaction to the, to 
Marge's reaction to what Tree said? Like, did you think it was a measure of disrespect or disloyalty for Teresa to say to new people, <sighs> just watch out? <laughs> whatever the actual I, verbatim was. Okay, first of all, I think it is objectively hilarious for Margaret to be like, I've never said anything that bad. You know, I've never, I, what have I really ever done? It's like, well, let's not, let's not, come on. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it was pretty disingenuous of Teresa to be like, but, well, you know, what I really was saying was any of us, if we were put in a, you know, anybody would react, would say things, you know, we all would, would get defensive or mm. lash out or whatever. It's like, no, no, no. You were, you were talking about Margaret specifically. You weren't saying like, hey, be careful who you piss off in this group. Everybody has information. Right. You were saying Margaret is somebody you don't want to get on the bad side of. And Margaret is, you know, going to throw bombs and has an arsenal and all of this stuff. And so I think that what Teresa was saying about Margaret wasn't necessarily wrong. Right. But at the same time, I understand why Margaret's reaction is kind of like, you know, why are you the one saying this to Rachel, who you really have no relationship with thus far? Yeah, it's like, is Marge upset about what was said or Teresa being the one to say it, noting that like minutes later, uh, I don't remember if it was in relation to Danielle or someone else, Marge was like, wait until I reveal this. <laughs> yeah, but but then like, also, babe. <laughs> also, I, I believe that Jennifer Aiden was the one on the phone to Jen Fessler basically talking shit about Margaret. Right. And Margaret and Jen Fessler actually, I think, were closer friends before. No, and still are, Jen I think. Ca- yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But in, in the sense of like, I don't think Jen Fessler was like cast and then told that she was Margaret's friend. Totally. They were actual friends, so actual close friends. I, I think that probably also is, you know, rattling around somewhere in Margaret's mind that it's like, not only is Teresa saying some questionable things about me to this new girl, Rachel, who I'm, you know, getting to know and seeming to like or be on the same team as at least, but also. Teresa's lieutenant Jennifer mm. has been on the phone with my actual friend talking shit about me because of something that some bitch named Laura told her and I that's a whole other can of worms but like it doesn't feel it it feels like there is certainly some kind of anti-Margaret agenda happening from you know Fort Teresa yeah. And so I, I do understand for her that it like it's a little bit of a compounding thing that it's like, you know, making a shady comment is one thing, but then you're talking to my other friend and then you specifically asked me to come over to make up with you. Like, I, I think it's it's tricky. And I, I don't think Margaret is in the right about everything all the time. Like, I certainly am not like a Margaret apologist when she's wrong. But I do think in this situation, I understand why it feels so shitty. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. 
Just ask Sonia trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is looking for Dorinda on the Upper East Side. Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has Hormone Harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDESGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code ANDESGIRLS for 15% off today. I'm engaging. I just came back from the salon and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, 
just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Way's other bestsellers. They're leaving conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T H E O U A I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T H E O U A I dot com with promo code Andy. Specifically with Jen Eden and Jen Fessler. Yeah, and and Teresa, I think I think the fact that Teresa seemed so, you know, wanting to get to a better place with her at the beginning of the season then makes it tough for her to kind of be like, you know, immediately doubling back on that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And noting your feeling about just like the general, like there was obviously Scandaval is so specific because it was this like <laughs> blast of energy and then just so much. And there's yeah. obviously content coming out every hour on the hour. It's the New York one of Bravo scandals. When it comes to NJ, I mean, we may be seeing the last season for a while with Teresa and Melissa. We also might not. We don't know yeah. what's going to happen. But how are you feeling spiritually about the continuation slash new chapter of, you know, Judy J. V. Gorga, Tree Melissa and Joe? It's it's tough. I I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I am like more team Melissa than I am team Teresa about stuff that has happened on the show in mm-hmm. the last couple of years. I that's not any great revelation if you listen to my podcast. I get one star reviews cuz people are like, "Why are you so mean to Teresa?" I I don't think that I am, but whatever. It's tougher though to think in in the overall context of the show and of housewives as a whole and Teresa's place in that whole like pantheon. It's tough to just say, like, well, I like Melissa more, so they should fire Teresa. Like, that's uh, how I feel certainly is not that simple. And I don't know that I really know how I feel about Mm. it. I do. I will say, I think to me, it kind of feels like one of those things that is a little bit not worth spending that much energy on thinking about until it becomes a reality. Because to me, it feels a little bit at this point like you know, every couple years when there's like, is Kyle Richards done? Like she says that she's so tired after this season and is she ready to walk away? And the stuff with her sisters is so rough. And it's like, to this day, there has, it's never been worth it to speculate about Kyle Richards leaving Real Housewives of Beverly Hills because it hasn't happened. That doesn't mean it won't ever. And I think with Teresa potentially leaving, I think to me, it feels kind of the same way that I'm like, if and when it happens, I will see how I feel. You know what's so ironic about you mentioning Kyle <laughs> is because I've never participated in that yeah. willingly ever. And I actually was thinking the other day, you know what? I think it could be Kyle's. <laughs> I no, I mean, she might be tired. It's a natural. I, I've never thought about well, it. I, mean, I she, always was like, she's there forever. And she does. She might be tired. She, she might does a have a tendency to do that kind of in the press, like after reunion, yeah. you, you know, because she, I mean, she goes to a lot of events and things like that. So she gets you know, people put a microphone in her face and ask about housewives. And, you know, she is BFFs with Justin Sylvester. And she's like, she's like, well, you know, this season was a lot. And it's like, oh, okay. Are you telling us something? Or are you just giving a quote? Because there's a difference. And, you know, up until now, it's still always just been like, saying something to Mm. say something not to discount the fact that it is tiring. And she has really gone through it with her family like that. That's real. And I believe that it just is like, 
okay, but you're not leaving the show. Yeah. Lisa Rinna, on the other hand. Adios. Adios. May her memory be as close to a blessing as humanly possible, noting that it really hasn't been for a number of years. Well, but uh, uh, Delilah Bell's doing music now, so mazel tov to her. Mazel tov to the kids who, P.S., not to go down, (laughs) it's my birthday, we're not talking about Rinna, but if we are, the fact that we never talked about, like, what was going on with her kids at all, aside from the weird Scott Disick chapter with Amelia Gray is very odd to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i not the first person to call out Housewives for not having storylines. Like, to me, that's a little bit of a... um, It's a little bit of, like, a cheap shot sometimes because I don't think everybody needs to have, like, a fascinating personal storyline every season. It's an to evergreen be, insult. To be carrying their weight. Yeah. Um, But Lisa Rinna did not have much going on <laughs> in those last few years that she was on Housewives. I mean, we would see little glimpses of the kids sometimes. You know, Amelia wanted her... $3,000 a month apartment or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, I mean, there was some interesting, like she talked about her eating disorder. Like, the, you know, the, it's not like nothing worthwhile ever came of Lisa Rinna's like life on the show, but it, she wasn't somebody who was really like putting in the work to have substance other than, you know, tarnishing her 20 year friendships. Well, I also think there's a difference uh, noting uh, the family dynamics at play, just like, when it comes to vulnerability, mm. sharing your child's vulnerable story, which obviously she has um, has had a tremendous impact on Rinna as that person's parent, you know, like, but when it comes to like Rinna's own decisions about how to share vulnerability or when there's vulnerability going on with her kids, it just doesn't fit the narrative that Rinna wants to present. That's, yeah, it's interesting and unfortunate. Um. But yeah, I mean, uh, Denise and Cam- <laughs> Denise and Camille were filming yes. this weekend. Uh, t- to be honest, I uh, that is something that it excites me not very much at all because I think that it is what we've seen in the past, which is Kyle having a party and inviting a bunch of people that she knows will get attention. Um, right, you don't think that there's maybe even like a backdoor to Denise being a friend of? She's been really, really open to it I for mean, a while in all of her press stuff. Uh, to me, it's believe it when I see it. I think we've okay. seen. I think we've seen. I mean, we might be seeing it right now. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. I know. I think we've seen enough people popping up at filming events over the years and really amounting to nothing mm. that I'm kind of like, okay, let me know. Because if she really is like coming back as a friend, they will, they will certainly make an announcement. Yeah, and I feel like the friend of used to sort of fit a universal mold mm-hmm. of like this person's going to participate in this much stuff. And it really has become yeah. like Alexis Couture. It has become sometimes you'll have a sleeve, sometimes you will not. Like it really, look at Miami. These people are full time. Yeah. I mean, Kiki left a little early on the third part of the reunion. But I mean, Marisol and Adriana were there from the second from like after the first commercial break yeah. to the very end. There is really no, aside from them not being there at the tippity top of a three-part reunion, there's no other, you know, like idea of them not being full-time on the show. And what was your reaction to part three of the <laughs> reunion, noting, unfortunately, in terrible circumstance for all of us, I guess technically the season has now ended. Um, It was... It, it was a lot of volume mm. coming from the TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I think the, I, I mean, I enjoyed their reunion overall. I think it was it was 
quite compelling. There was a lot of different stuff to unpack. I think the the third part focusing so heavily on Adriana versus Marisol and Alexia was at equal parts fascinating mm-hmm. and sort of just like too bad. Like, like they're too bad as in like too, in a dismissive way or too bad as no, in like too, it's just unfortunate. It, yeah, it just kind of makes me it's just sort of like leaves a rough taste in my mouth that it feels like these three women and particularly Adriana and Marisol just like I don't know if they it's so weird be, I, I, and I'm like I'm struggling to even like piece words together to talk about it but it's like they will go so quickly from ripping each other to shreds to Marisol telling Adriana that she needs to be grateful for all the great things she has in her life and that she's going to be there to help her see that and it's like a minute ago you were saying that this woman is like desperate and pathetic and all this other stuff and then she wrote a letter to your liver and you were you know I mean it, it it's hard to talk about without acknowledging the fact that some of it is just like absurd and that letter mm. certainly was absurd in a, you know a compelling way to watch on TV <laughs> but it's I mean it's it's tough because it's like when you're watching people fight on housewives you it you want to have an idea of whether they're actually invested in resolving their conflict and moving to a place of anything else and it really really is tough to pin down with this trio of like is there any part of Marisol that gives a shit about being friends with Adriana again because it sort of seems like no but then sometimes it seems like yes and if the answer is no then we should leave it there yeah but if the answer is yes even just a little bit then okay we have something yeah and how much of um closing the door or trying to leave it open ajar when it comes to this friendship throuple has to do with not wanting her to be on the show anymore I think that's a really tough one because I I didn't even realize, I don't know if this was something that I had just missed in an earlier episode, that on part three of the reunion, we are going back to OG Real Housewives of Miami and this question all of a sudden of when Adriana got married to Frederick on the show, the wedding that Marisol was a bridesmaid in, that there is apparently some idea that they were already married and so Adriana just threw a wedding basically to have a storyline. And I this is not something that I had been aware <laughs> aware of as a thing. Um but the fact that we're fighting about something that happened a full decade ago is I I mean I don't know. It's like I got it's interesting but also it's like really? Well, I mean, I remember cuz that never got resolved and it was honestly really fucked up. Like the way that Leah described it. At first I was like who care? You know, like if she's yeah. lying and if they technically were married and maybe they were doing it for like tax purposes or something else, but they didn't have the big celebration and maybe they were married and they didn't make a big deal out of it. And maybe there was an opportunity with the show to have it be a thing and they didn't want anybody to know that they were technically still legally married. Got it. Like a lot of people do crazy things or or things mm-hmm. that might seem crazy to someone else. Um, for the opportunity to have something as far as a storyline. But when you think about, which they referenced a little bit on part three, but like the fact that Adriana was 
at that point, very, very close friends with Leah, struggling with how to afford the private school for her kid. Leah put together essentially a scholarship coming together Mm -hmm. with a group of other um, moms, friends, parents of Adriana's to make sure that her kid could still you know, stay in school. Adriana was like, set me up with guys. Like when you think about the way that Adriana strongly asked for Leah's support, including to me, most especially the romantic aspect of it. And then you find out she was married at the time and didn't make that clear to her friend knowing, or maybe she just thought it wouldn't come out. I mean, that is a pretty big fucking shock for someone to kind of comprehend, but also for Alexia to reference it a decade later, as far as like, yeah, I was thinking about what Leah said. And you know what? I didn't really mm. take it so personally before, but now I really do. I'm thinking like, okay, but <laughs> like we, we litigated this, even though Andy gave uh, Adriana the opportunity to sort of like talk herself out of it of, did you do this? I didn't. Okay, let's move on. Which, <laughs> did not land for me but all that being said like why why is this coming up now is it coming up now because you're trying to use it as an example of saying this woman can't be trusted and is the underlying thing here she can't be trusted to continue on with Mm. the cast how much can you reference the past if there is an idea for many of us that like this isn't the thing that Alexia really cares about, but it's the thing she's going to reference. Right. And also when that thing is rooted in the idea of the show, but then the show went away after that for eight years and there was no show. So like to me, obviously several of these women have relationships that predate this rebooted era of Miami. And I know those things are going are and should affect, you know what we're seeing on the show, but like, to me, like the sort of show mechanics of things that happened in the past iteration mm-hmm. of Miami are kind of like irrelevant at this point that it's like they rebooted this show in 2021 and everybody here on the couch was invited to be a part of it. So like whatever happened 10 years ago of somebody like trying to secure their spot on the show that then you all got fired from because it didn't exist. Like it's kind of like, okay, we're we're in a different era now. Like, you know, talk about Adriana being desperate to secure her spot on the show this season. See, but what I actually like about it, even though I'm like side-eye to that being brought up, <clears throat> I actually like that it's being brought up in, in terms of like, as as um Alexia said on Girls Trip, like, oh, it's it's a big fucking deal. This has never happened before yeah. the show being brought back eight or nine years later. And I actually really appreciate for those of us who survived the first season of Real Housewives of Miami when it originally aired and watched and enjoyed the later two seasons or however you felt about it. Um, I kind of like when they dip back into that because yeah. it's 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 you know it's interesting as people who've many of whom have watched the OG seasons to be like oh my god that did happen it's like yeah. a little bit of a no I don't think it's something that we should like never reference I just but think it's unrealistic. that it's like rooting it yeah. in this conflict that is like you said that's not really what Alexia is mad at Adriana about something that she right. sort of maybe did to Leah a decade ago like Alexia I think could put into her own words better why she hates Adriana so much right now. Do you think that she did? 
that she like this wasn't necessarily a matter of um either or like she mentioned this but also obviously the the frankie of it all is so huge here not it not as an inciting incident but as the like biggest example of why there is upset i think the frankie thing is tricky because i totally understand where alexia is coming from and like the level of reaction that she had to it i mm-hmm. think was justified and understandable mm-hmm. but then you know at this reunion viewing it as its own thing it's you know six or seven months after they filmed this and after adriana said that about frankie um you know clearly adriana i think i think clearly feels bad about it has apologized about it is still she's she's getting emotional to me like i feel like i'm getting some genuine emotion from adriana tied to understanding the gravity of this mistake that she made and so from alexia i think what i I think what maybe I wish we were getting more of is like either a thank you for saying that I need some time, but I have heard I've heard you or just saying like, sorry, I can't forgive you for that. And we're never going to be on whatever level. And because clearly she's not ready to be, you know, friends with Adriana. Like, and she maybe wasn't before. This is just the absolute. Exactly. You know, so I, shutting think, up the I door. think in terms of like having a, you know, productive reunion, whatever that means, I think I would have liked Alexia to just sort of be a little more honest mm-hmm. about kind of where she is with Adriana and just say like, you know, if if you don't fuck with her and you're never going to just just say that we don't need to spend an hour going back and forth like it is what it is don't you think she did though a little bit i i don't know i mean it still feel it still felt like at the end though there was kind of like an impulse to you know put a pin in it and like say okay but like like i was saying when marisol is like you know you have so many good things in your life and like we'll be there for you to realize that it's like will you like you you will because it doesn't seem like you're it doesn't seem like either of them really have any desire to be like supportive friends to Adriana, even if they don't want her to like rot in hell. I think maybe there was a little bit, even if it was temporary and sometimes reunion specific, when you're forced into this environment where someone who you would never want to listen to is allowed to, God forbid, <laughs> communicate their thoughts and feels and is somewhat, you know, galvanized with support from some of the other people in the cast who mm-hmm. were like, listen, she was like you know, not there. There was nothing there behind her eyes. She was in some sort of zone and couldn't uh, even understand or comprehend for a while the actual impact of and the damage of what she said that day on the beach. But like, I don't know. I feel like seeing someone break down to the extent that Adriana broke down and be as vulnerable as she was and understand that she's currently Mm -hmm. just really fucking sad. Yeah. That can allow a person to feel like they want to allow themselves to have a little bit of empathy and, and understand in the position that they are, which is, and I know this is going to sound fucking insane, but like a somewhat safe space also because like Andy is there moderating Mm -hmm. 
that maybe they're like, you know what? She she groveled. She <laughs> is genuinely upset by what she says. She seems to be taking accountability. And also, she's just really not doing well. Yeah. And if you see someone you hate, potentially, let's say they hate her. Let's just use that word. I don't know that it's true, but just for the purposes of an example on this podcast. Let's say that they hate her, strongly dislike her, whatever. You can, you know, there's the potential to still feel empathy and say, listen, mm-hmm. you're really, really struggling right now. Maybe you have been for a while. So... Okay, if what you are desperate for in this moment is to hear us say that we don't hate you, even though we might have said that five minutes ago, all right, we got it. You know, like we know you're not doing well. We know you've behaved in ways that have been incredibly inappropriate to us, including what she said about Marisol's ex Mm -hmm. and even that whole dynamic of engaging with him. And okay, we got it. You're taking accountability for it and you're crying. You're like breaking down in front of us. We got it. Yeah, I think it would. I think when you compare their dynamic to something like Mer- uh, Larsa and Nicole yeah. fighting with each other, it's like that feels like very just like two women who are kind of pissed off at each other, trading jabs back and forth. Nobody is really like, you know, down. <laughs> like you're not, there's no sense of like, you know, some like kicking, punching down or kicking somebody while they're already like wounded. Whereas mm-hmm. I think, with the Adriana thing, like I certainly think that she has, you know, made poor decisions and said stupid things. And I don't think that letter is, is helping the matter, Oh my god! but it does feel sometimes like with Alexia and Marisol that it's like, okay, okay. Like we, we could, that might be enough for right now. Yeah. I don't know if she really is going to be needs anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And the timing of all of it is just so fucking wild because Miami ends, except has it really? Miami, (laughs) I really, honestly, do appreciate that every time that song is referenced, Alexia's like, I really do love that song. Alexia's like, bro, that song is good, (laughs) which I love. And so we, you know, we we seemingly close the door, unfortunately, on this season of Miami. But Peacock keeps it open with the first three episodes of Girls Trip dropping. And I have to know your, I know we're going to be talking about this at length on Mention It All, which you guys can listen to wherever you listen to this podcast. But what was your reaction to now the third iteration? Um, So this season has something that is new in that other than Portia and Leah, all of these women were filming Girls Trip after they had filmed a season of their show. Yes. But before it had aired and before they had had reunion. And so, you know, particularly in the case of, in the case of Miami and Salt Lake City, I think they had very recently finished filming. I guess probably Potomac as well. But that, I think, is really affecting the dynamic this season in a way that I don't necessarily think is bad, but it just is a little bit less of like a um an escape from mm. housewives proper. Yeah. Than the other shows have been. I mean, particularly the one at Bluestone Manor was just like an alternate reality with these eight women who were no longer on their main shows. And it really felt like this kind of no man's land where anything could happen. And I think with this season in Thailand, the biggest difference really, aside from, you know, how much I like the people in the cast or, you know, whatever, 
is that we are getting a lot more crossover of sort of housewives current events of the last six months and you know with some stuff I think that's interesting the way that the women have a lot of questions for Heather about Jen Shaw that to me was fascinating and the fact that they could not wait to ask her about that the second they arrived at this villa like that to me I'm like yeah I if I was just watching things play out on social media and knowing that this lady is like besties with Jen still I would be curious about that and I'm glad it was brought up but then when you start to veer into some other territory like Whitney and Heather and to a lesser extent Giselle and Candace it's like I don't actually need more of this. <laughs> well, it's just an odd experience because what I appreciated about certainly season one especially was there was enough time that had gone by where these women could choose to understand what was happening with other franchises or not, mm-hmm. um, where you could have the information about what had been going on with this person's season before you rolled in or not. With this, because episodes haven't been shown but you've heard about what or some episodes were shown, whatever, but not obviously like the Salt Lake reunion hadn't been filmed at that point. You're able to present as a housewife an alternate universe that maybe didn't happen, like mm-hmm. with the um, fight between Heather and Whitney at the lingerie party or whatever, like you push me. Oh, that didn't happen. You said these things. Oh, that didn't happen. And then we get flashes to flashes of what actually occurred. But the, people actually on this trip aren't aware it's interesting to see like who they are going to trust but it also gives a housewife the ability to maneuver out of things which I think we saw a lot of with Heather and Giselle just the ability to be like that didn't happen because I'm saying it didn't happen Mm -hmm. regardless of what actually occurred yeah and because the shows haven't aired you know those three individual seasons even, you know, Heather doesn't know what is going to be shown on that season of Salt Lake City. Obviously, she was there for whatever she was there for during filming and has that frame of reference. Mm. But, you know, with a situation like this black eye thing that just won't go away, like, it's almost interesting to get sort of like a frozen in time, you know, fly in the amber kind of moment where it's (laughs) like, this is the way that people are unpacking this situation before anybody's seen it on TV, before there's been any kind of social media debate about it, before they've had a reunion and talked about it, before we've gotten anybody else's opinion. And I, it was pretty funny to me that everybody seemed very quickly to come to the conclusion that it's like, oh, Jen punched this lady. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of, that was a theory that happened when we saw it on TV too. But also... uh we never really got closure on that. And Giselle, like, right away is like, oh, so Jen punched her, but Heather doesn't want her to get more years added to her prison term. That makes sense to me. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I guess. It felt like the opportunity for Heather to just kind of, like, work out a couple different possibilities <laughs> and see as a straw poll she, how it would be received. She's like, and it wasn't received well. She's like, okay, uh, how do we feel about the cabinet? <laughs> and they're like, that does not sound plausible. She's like... Okay, well, then I don't know what happened. <laughs> She's like, great, we don't, great, not cabinets. Can't say that Jen punched me. Uh, I, who knows? But it also, was, everybody knows. But also, I don't. 
It's so fucking awkward. I can't, I can't go back to that place. You can't go back. You and I have had rough, <laughs> tough moments when I was like, can we talk about the eye? And you're like, no. <laughs> look, 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 look. I, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm loving having Portia back. <laughs> I mean, I do have to... I am curious for your thoughts about Portia's return. Having Portia back in an ensemble way mm. is a lot of fun. I I think that her and Giselle having this um, chat room connection yes. is sort of like a, a good little hidden gem. Because, I, I mean, I remembered that they did that together, but it... I forgot. It, I genuinely, when they said uh, chat room, I was like, what was that? I right. I completely forgot. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a very uh, specific moment in it time. It was a moment in time. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think Portia is sort of at her best when she can be a little bit of like an unfiltered narrator a yeah. little bit. And I, I don't think she always got to inhabit that role when she was on Atlanta. But I I kind of think that being the person who is the most removed from her mm. franchise on this spinoff is serving her well. Because even Leah, I mean, Leah is like a year plus out of Roni at this point, but like she still is saying like, oh, well, like last season on my show or like, you know, talking about on my show, this on my show, that I mean, I'm neither here nor there for this point. But like Portia really doesn't have any of that. I mean, she's right. she's talking about how like this is light shade compared to Real Housewives of Atlanta or like nothing goes well when we get on a boat. But like she's not saying like, well, in my last season, Kenya was being a cunt like <laughs> pardon me. <laughs> That just flew right out. <laughs> that was very, you were very happy Women's History Month, by the way. Uh, <laughs> to those of us pardon. who should be. <laughs> but uh, whatever. Yeah, all the, all things being said. But that it's like, like Portia isn't really approaching this as like a, I'm on Real Housewives of Atlanta and you're on Real Housewives of Miami. She's like, I'm just here to have fun. Mm. Where's the camera? Where do I look? Like, yeah. I think it's kind of best case scenario for her. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash andyscrolls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andyscrolls. Sign up today. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that Portia's taking big swings, noting that I like 
disagree with her on some of those swings. Like some of the stuff with Candace and being like, I have the right to tell you that your feelings of anxiety are inappropriate because I said so. So I'm just going to say, oh, I felt exactly that way too. And I'm behaving differently. So you should follow my lead. Like there's some stuff there that I'm not. And I think actually her reaction, God forbid, trigger warning to the eye stuff. I was like, wait, what's happening? Um, And maybe to Whitney, I was like, what's happening? But I appreciate that she's like making an impact. And I do miss her, but it also reminds me who she is, which is someone that is great at her job and someone who I disagree with. For sure. Yeah. Like when I. Not a bad thing. Yeah. When I say that this is like best case scenario for her, it's not because I think she's going to come out of this trip looking like flawless it's more just that she doesn't have the baggage that some of the other women do well she's letting go the baggage of the spinoff which is the last time we saw her and that didn't that wasn't received terribly well yeah and that is not mentioned even once nor should it be you know we see them reading copies of her book in their (laughs) respective bedrooms so funny um but yeah i mean one of the most interesting things that has happened in these first few episodes i thought was candace opening up about this situation that's happening with her and chris which we obviously this is so this is after they filmed season seven of potomac but we never really heard about this while the show was airing at reunion at all about them being you know in candace's words like in the lowest place that they've they've been in their marriage and so that was like in terms of just info dumping these first three episodes that was the biggest kind of like oh say what now I mean I remember we had like a tense scene in a car maybe when they were driving and stuff but like for her to say that and for her to be as vulnerable as she was I mean I think I think genuinely that Candace is going to be the MVP from season three of Girls Trip she's giving me like a lot of what I'm looking for yeah um but I was shocked by that I was shocked (laughs) yeah I'm curious to see if we kind of get any more color around that situation because it was it was interesting and also you know Giselle certainly would have thoughts on that so I'm like are we is that going to be more explored um Candace's Candace's confessional moment in the first episode when she's like I think Giselle is very closed off because of how much life has whooped her ass (laughs) I I was watching, so I watched that on Thursday, oh and God. I was in the office, and I was watching it like on my computer at my desk, and so there's like other people sitting around me, and I literally just go, uh, and people, people are like, are, are you good? And I was like, sorry, I just, just really was, uh, something just happened. We're watching a Renaissance period take place. Yeah, I mean, you, uh, it is not. I can remember when you were like Candace's dead to me number one anti fan. <laughs> What do you mean, Candace's? Oh, oh, can I am can? No, no, no. I don't think I was ever. I was just like, can we not talk about her ever again? No, I actually, I actually found it helpful for me at points when I really, really was uh, frustrated with some of her behavior on social. I actually appreciated the podcast most in those moments because it challenged me to continue to see aspects of Candace mm. that I might have shut down otherwise. So, like having. AG in those during those seasons because it was like yeah. more than one was really helpful to me because through the setup of this pod and the concept of it like really having empathy for someone regardless of sometimes her lack of it in other circumstances was really helpful because I think like 
at the end of the day, it it's the opportunity, regardless of how that other person has behaved or reacted, it's the opportunity for all of us to grow potentially in, mm-hmm. in challenging, you know, each other maybe to like not see a certain person as only the worst aspects of their character and to really appreciate someone regardless of what's occurred because I think it's led to this moment. I think she had a really fantastic season overall, the most recent season, Potomac, and she's coming into this, like sharing so much, fucking performing, like having these moments, riding for Leah, which I think was a hundred, if Candace hadn't been there, that would have been a shit show because it just would have been immediate isolation with nothing going on, regardless of how you felt about Leah or Leah's behavior, whatever else. For Candace to stand so strong, I thought was incredibly uh, important, at least for for storytelling, but also for just the overall energy in the room. Right. Seven on one is not good TV. No, it's not. And like the idea of like, you don't want to be here, so go. Like, no, we don't. We don't want that to happen. And also, doesn't doesn't she go? Doesn't she? I'm not. Doesn't she go? I'm not sure. Um. So regardless of whatever... <laughs> Happens or doesn't happen. I mean, we've only seen three episodes. Um, yeah, we've only seen three episodes. I just, you know, there's something to be said for Candace, like, yeah. standing strong. And I thought being, like, pretty consistent throughout the, se- the episodes that we saw. I'm I'm into, I'm, I, we are in her renaissance. Yeah, was her dinner boring? Maybe a little bit, you know, but. <laughs> yeah, but then she got to perform and it was fun yeah, and yeah 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 marisol yeah. might have a fucking ulcer or is anyone actually concerned i'm like concerned for what is taking place in when, her tum when the doctor is like okay so have you been drinking and she's like, just a little little bit but but just so you know i but just so you know i drink every single day of my life so every hour of the day so the fact that i'm drinking right now no cause for concern <laughs> It's like, okay. And the way that EMT or whatever was like, yeah, you might have an ulcer, but let's chat. I was, what's happening? He's like, look, so the thing is you're, you're maybe not going to want to drink at like 7 a.m. But if you drink at like 10, maybe. She's like, I like having a cocktail. He's like, don't we all? (laughs) Let's turtle time. She's like, I need a drink. I do want to ask your thoughts about the Leah of it. Like how how are we feeling about how this is going? Um, I think that Leah is. I think that she just has an energy that is, just like not, maybe best suited for this type of environment, and I think we saw that on New York a little bit that she just didn't really click with this like you know, group of women. And I think, I mean, certainly I don't think she's helping herself out necessarily with, you know, her attitude and some of the comments she's made. And I thought what she said to Alexia or about Alexia at that dinner was like super just like weird and shitty about like being a snooze fest. Mm. Um, But also I just, I don't think like if you look at kind of the overall makeup of the group, like I don't know that aside from Candace and maybe like, uh, Whitney and Heather like I don't think that Leah was ever gonna be great friends with Alexia or you know it just I don't know I don't know I mean I definitely don't dislike Leah the way that some people just like really strongly do mm-hmm. but at the same time watching these episodes it's it's not going great for her yeah and for her to say 
you know, I was experiencing a lot of anxiety. I didn't know if I wanted to go on this trip. I mean, that is obviously clear in, in what's going on. But I appreciated her vulnerability in sharing how kind of dark things got for her and really challenging yeah. following the death of her grandmother. Um, the reaction of the other members of the cast, most obviously in their confessionals, was like a very strong rebuke of what she was saying, mm-hmm. which I was sort of surprised by. Yeah, I think it's it's tough because like the emotion it's like the emotion and the and the the things that she said about like production and the women mm. sort of maybe keeping her there like i think those are kind of two different things in my mind and i know it's all messy and complicated but like i i'm 100% on board with her you know really struggling with the loss of her grandmother and I, you know i have no sort of questions about that i think Specifically, like Giselle was noting how, like, we have the same production company. They would never, like, I think Whitney was. Yeah. Somebody you. was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was Whitney. Um, and funny enough, Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip has the same production company as well. It's all shed. Oh, shit. Oh, and, I didn't realize that. And that so, actually explains some of the edits here. So, yeah. so it's a little interest. I think that to me sort of like perked my ears up in a mm. way that I was like, Oh, it's interesting because you're you're saying something emotional about the loss of your grandmother, but then you're also saying something about the mechanics of production and whatever else goes into that, that I would be interested in unpacking a little bit more. And it doesn't seem like we're really going to, but um, it was, it, I mean, it was weird. It was, it was a little weird. And I, I agree that the women's reactions did not seem particularly empathetic uh, empathetic but and it they immediately went to the place of like it's not production's fault and it just kind of made me think like if you're in an environment where you're already struggling and you're looking for someone to tell you it's okay to go but you don't know where the boundaries and parameters are yeah as as Portia said you know if anything happened with my family I would immediately leave and it's it can be complicated for people, especially in the environment of reality TV. You have a lot of different personalities who deal with stress and grief and trauma differently. And one person saying, I would just leave, nothing else matters, yeah. is a perfectly understandable reaction. Another person may genuinely have the feeling of like feeling trapped in this environment, not knowing how that would affect their job security, which is really Uh, Which is a thing. While obviously for a lot of people, family, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like every tagline Caroline Manzo ever had of like family is everything. It becomes complicated when you're inside the bubble of reality TV production and she might genuinely not have felt comfortable or been so sort of out of it that she didn't say to her producer, listen, I need to leave or can I have permission to leave? Maybe she genuinely was like waiting for someone to say, you're breaking down. You're very upset. You don't yeah. seem like yourself. You can go. I think also um, a piece that isn't mentioned, at least in the episodes we've seen, but I think is sort of important context is that this was the season of New York during the pandemic that was out of all of the housewives franchises, one of the most impacted seasons of any franchise. Mm. And so it, 
it wouldn't have been just a situation where it's like, okay, go be with your grandma today, and then you can come back out and and That's film again such a tomorrow. Good point. I didn't even think about that. I yeah, COVID I've, restrictions. I, I'm not the first person to make this point, but I I do think you it's, are for me. It's it's important to even if you still wouldn't have made the same decision as her, like that could have been totally equivalent to like missing out on like a two week, weeks. a week or 10 days or even two weeks of filming. And as a second season housewife, and like you said, maybe not sort of knowing kind of what the protocol was around those types of things, being in the reality TV bubble and also the literal COVID production bubble. Mm-hmm. I think there's, I think a little more generosity would be uh warranted that doesn't mean you can't have questions about it or you know maybe disagree with the handling but i i do think there is more there than just like well you you know i'm blaming production because yeah blah 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 blah. like i i think people are um not terribly generous to leah sometimes even when she maybe deserves it yeah i don't think this is going to be an easy ride for her as we're just getting the sense of the energy in the room yeah I, I would think, unfortunately for Leah, she's going from one challenging experience to now being in purgatory, not even knowing what is going to happen with the future of her show, to a sense of purgatory just in the temporary members of this like short-term you know, spinoff series, because it does not seem like this is going to end terribly well for her. Yeah, I'm curious, and we maybe we can talk about this more. Um, I'll mention it I'll all. I'll mention it all, but I'm, I'm curious to see coming out of this season sort of is there a game plan or what happens next for Portia and Leah? Cause the rest of the women on this show are still on their main franchises. They're still, you know, current housewives or friends of in the case of Marisol, whatever that means. But with Portia and Leah, it's like, does Portia want to come back to Atlanta? Does she still want to make something else happen for herself on Bravo? Who knows with Leah? I think the options are likely a little bit more limited slimmer. I I don't think she's going to be, I mean, she's not on the Roni reboot. I don't think she's going to get asked to be a part of Roni Legacy. So it's kind of like, okay, I mean, you can do something else somewhere else if you want. But I don't think Bravo is going to bang down her door to do something in the future, or at least not in the near future. So it's kind of interesting to think of Girls Trip as like, you know, we saw last season, um, you know, Tamara coming back to OC, Taylor getting tapped for that, Phaedra's doing Married to Medicine, um, you know, Dorinda and Jill, certainly, if Roni Legacy is ever happening, they, you know, are on the mm-hmm. list for that. It it really, and, you know, Brandy did Traders, <laughs> did Girls Trip again. Yeah, that worked out real well for like, everybody. Like, the majority of the women on that cast, Vicky did Girls Trip again. Mm-hmm. The majority of the women on that cast clearly were sort of still in the stable of people that Bravo had their eyes on, or at least was, like, thinking about. And it'll be interesting to see whether Portia and Leah are kind of in a similar position or whether this is more of a one-off type of thing. Yeah, it's like, what does the network want? What does production want? And what do these women want? It's There can be many different interests and many different responses. And we've seen it work out in many different ways with the connective thread being the participation in these small, heightened, sometimes fancy pants, and also, you know, um, Dorinda's house like there are many different ways that these shows can be produced and that there can be results and success for these women maybe it's the ability to like prove your value and worth and maybe it's just to say like hey i'm still here it depends on what you know it's this sort of it's a little bit of a throwback to like why join housewives to begin with but it's just 
right. the next iteration of it, which I think is really fascinating. And I'm excited to talk to you about it. I mentioned all, but we got to go drink some birthday shams. We got some people coming over. We're going to watch fucking Succession. Yeah, Shout out to Roman. Shout out to Kendall. At, it starts at nine, right? Not 10. Yeah, but we're going to okay, be drinking good. and I have a very special key. Well, right. I just People can see on Instagram. I, like if a show starts at 10 o'clock on Sunday night, like that's rude. No, we just got a text message from friend of the pod, Tracy Morse, being like, well, how long is this going? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. And it's I'm a, recording right now. It's a school <laughs> night. <laughs> it is a school night. Um, Listen, I always love when I'm present for class, which is you talking and stuff. Can you tell the AGs where they can follow you and listen to our pod swap Part de. Part de. Um, of course, you can follow me on Instagram at Dylan Hafer and follow all my uh, Bravo stuff at Bravo by Betches. And you can listen to Mention It All wherever you listen to Andy's Girls. Amazing. Little sassy photo we're going to take of the birthday festivities. You can see on my Instagram at Dame Galley. Number one way to support the pod is by joining the AG Patreon. Tons and oodles of bonus episodes avail, including a two-hour uh, double part two-parter yada yada words and stuff um satchel spectacular including all of your satchels of gold thoughts and feels questions and concerns um named in honor of her holiness kelly Clorn ben simone uh, all about the scandal and so much more lord knows i can't stop talking about it and <laughs> can't stop talking to you but i think we gotta open a little bottle we gotta do a little turtle time yeah happy birthday thank you oh is it <laughs> <laughs> just kidding spiritually mid 20 plus again how old are we uh, we're turning 28 this year. We are? <laughs> I thought we were 25 forever. Wait I a mean, second. I thought we were 26. I really thought we were 26. You can be however old you want to be. Thank you. And that is the journey that I am on at this point in my life. So on that note, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thanks to all of you for your understanding. I took a, the weekend off to see some fam and roadies. So this is almost like a spiritual double episode. And I love that journey for us and um, love all of you. So thanks so much for being on the ride. We're very close to AG400. You're just putting your microphone on the da- you are ready to go no, at turtle I, time. I didn't want to like sniff into the microphone or something while and interrupt your Give him a little birthday sniff. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening, and we will chat with you soon. Happy birthday to Vicky Gumbelson, the second best OG. I am, of course, number one. On that note, guys, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.